You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. If you have the, if you have your Bible, let's go together to Ezekiel chapter 47, and I want to bring uh, the Forgotten God series to a conclusion. Ezekiel chapter 47, and we want to talk about today going deeper with the Holy Spirit. The first verse of this chapter says the following: Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the front of the temple faced east and it continued to go on. I want to bring out something first of all that the water which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit was flowing from the temple. So for the record we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we shouldn't be reduced to be the tombs. You and I are the temple. Say I am the temple. See the water flows from the temple. Holy Spirit flows from the temple. Now I was reading a few days ago in my devotional time and I saw that demons lived in the tombs. Demons camped where there was a lot of tombs and so that, we, that doesn't mean that you know if you buried your loved one there's demons lived. That's not the point. The point is that many times demons love things that are dead or things that are buried or things that have to do with dark gloom and doom and the Holy Spirit He flows from the temple. What is the difference between the temple and the tomb? The temple is a place where is hosting or housing the living presence of God. Amen. The tomb is the place that's hosting something that used to be alive but is alive no more. No wonder Jesus told the religious people not un unbelievers or unchurched people but the churched people who didn't honor the move of the Holy Spirit today he didn't call them any other name but this one name he used for them he says you guys are whitewashed tombs meaning you only have a memory of what God used to do you criticize what God is doing today and you're busy whitewashing yourself he said the Spirit of God and the move of God is not active in your life and because it's not active you're only having a memory of the past things that God used to do in your life or in the life of your ancestors and because you want to look good in front of people you keep washing your outside acts impressing other people with your external righteousness and with your Facebook posts and your Facebook scriptures and with pictures you raising your hands and everything but inside everyone knows you're dead water comes from the temple that means you have to honor Holy Spirit not just yesterday's Holy Spirit today otherwise you and I are in danger the world is not in danger of this but you and I are in danger of becoming a tomb that houses just things that are dead now they still mean a lot to you like you know if we have our loved ones who passed away and we would go to you know to a uh, to a cemetery and then you know we'd bring some flowers you just bring just just to kind of honor them but but they're no longer alive and we look at that you know we look at their name and we, we, we reflect on the good things that happen and everything but we know there is no life that's coming from the tomb and many Christians that's exactly how it is they look at the Bible they say ah oh, so good God of Moses mm, Red Sea splitting fire of the Holy Ghost coming I mean the quail coming God multiplying the bread this is so beautiful so awesome we put our flowers there and we continue to live our life God says I don't want you to be a tomb you are a temple of the Holy Spirit 
that means the God who was doing things here is the God who lives inside of you and he wants to flow out he wants to flow out amen when the Pharisees criticized Jesus for the miracles he did he called them evil and adulterous generation you know my definition of evil was before kind of like you know if you steal you know you join mafia or you know you buy some things that are wrong or maybe you smoke or drink or you you know speed through the streets or involved in racing or something you know that's evil but Pharisees were not involved in anything of that what Pharisees had is they had a deep obsession with the past and deep hatred for God's presence in the present because God's presence was within few feet of them it was right here and they hated it with passion while they worshiped what he was doing before and Jesus called them he says you guys are evil meaning you're the people who you don't appreciate and you don't see God to move today you only love God because he moved yesterday and then he used this word he says you're adulterous you're cheating on your present by having an affair with your past They were not adulterous morally, they were adulterous spiritually, meaning there, see a past is something you should glance, but the Holy Spirit is someone you should gaze upon. When you drive your, your front windshield is big, your rear view mirror is very small, but for many of us as Christians it's the opposite. The past is big and the present and the future is non-existent. We look through it through the small little lens and the only thing we see there is Antichrist coming. You know, the, the Donald Trump is crazy. The laws are crazy. The, the nuclear things in North Korea and all of these bad things are happening. The Ebola and all of the bad stuff the world is crushing. And that is what we are seeing. And what we're not realizing is we're becoming an adulterous generation. But God called us to be a hungry generation. A generation of Jacob, a generation of those that see God. A generation that see God today and see God for tomorrow. Can somebody say amen? You and I are a temple. Don't cheat on your present. Don't cheat on your future by becoming too overly obsessed with your past. God didn't give us the book so that we will only bring the flowers here and just remember good old days that God did. My Bible makes me to understand our God is not the God of I was. When he met Moses he didn't say I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and I am the God who was stuck in the past. When Moses said what is your name? He says I am that I am. When you are present, that's when I am present. Jesus is not the God of yesterday and only the days of old. Jesus is the God of today and the guy of the God of tomorrow. That tells me that as a temple, I have to host something that's alive, not 2000 years ago, not 20 years ago, not six months ago, but something that is alive and bubbling and a flame inside today. Because otherwise I am in danger of becoming a, a tomb that only has dead men's bones. If your greatest days happened when Catherine Kuhlman was alive, if your greatest days happened when John G. Lake was alive, if the greatest days happened when, you know, when these movements, all those good old days, then maybe perhaps you have switched your name from the tomb to the temple. If the best happened long ago, you're no longer a temple. 
because the temple means the best is living inside it's brewing inside it's bubbling inside it's happening right now the best times when I sought God didn't happen 10 years ago it happened 10 days ago it happened two days ago why because the Holy Spirit lives he lives in a temple he doesn't reside in a tomb don't settle for what God used to be be hungry for what God is today God spoke to Abraham and says Abraham sacrifice your son if Abraham would have lived on what God said yesterday he would have went three days later and killed his son but Abraham respected the yesterday he acted on what God said yesterday and walked toward the mountain and kept his ear open for what God is saying now and in three days later God said stop if this would have been you and I we would have said well God said long time ago pow I see God wants you to know that faith comes from hearing not having heard constantly hearing Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds not proceeded but proceeds means God is always speaking God is always moving God is always active God is alive and he is I am and just because America is not where maybe things used to be spiritually that doesn't mean God packed his bags and waiting in heaven for things to get worse while he warms his hands on the misery of humanity and cannot wait for things to just get worse so he can come and pour out his wrath. Our God is still active on this earth today. Sometimes when he's not active in the synagogue he's still active in Jesus across the synagogue that we do not like those African ministries I just don't understand them you know those people in 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 Brazil you know they they, they cry like that I say just that's just not my cup of tea God isn't moving in America some people say but if you if you be, stop being a prejudice and racist if we stop being so locked into the, the things of our past and so worshipy of our past and just kind of step out realize the greatest move of God was happening outside of the synagogue while the Pharisees were worshipping Moses and we are in danger of criticizing what God is doing today and worshipping what he did yesterday everyone loved Smith Wigglesworth when he died but when Smith Miggesworth was alive, the rumors were going on, they didn't like him. Yeah, everybody talks about him today. He raised 30 people from the dead. God moved mightily on him. But he punched people. And some people died on the stage because he punched them. Because he saw a sickness as the devil and he attacks, attacks sickness sometimes physically. And one guy had an enlarged heart and he came for prayer and Smith Wigglesworth hated sickness so bad he got too emotional, punched the guy in the heart and the guy died. Now he wouldn't be welcomed in our church. The last thing I want is like we, 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 we can kill our own people. <laughs> we don't want your help Smith. I mean think about it. And then he raised this guy up who just died. He just killed him because he was so so passionate for the healing power of God I mean try to explain that in our theological be nice to people kind of a thing he raised this guy up this guy is dead he pushed him to the wall a dead corpse and he says walk I mean not only you just punched him the guy is dead leave him alone and the guy didn't walk I mean the guy was dead he was a lifeless body collapsed he picked him up again and he got angry this time and he says I told you not to fall but to walk 
He didn't walk. He did it three times and on the third time the dead corpse walked. You know and that's awesome. But you see how it, what happened you're like that's fishy. That's weird. That's not God. It's easy to love things that are dead and hate things that are alive. You may see how Apostle John Chi came and how he prayed or some prayer lines or some even manifestations, different things. And it's so easy to develop this kind of a thing where say, like, uh, I know how God works. I have God figured out and that's not God. And Pharisees had exactly the same attitude. God wasn't moving in the synagogue. There were nothing happening. Nothing was happening there. But they had God figured out and when God came across the street, they said this can't be God. See, when you settle for where God used to be, instead of be hungry for who God is, you'll always criticize where God is moving. That's a, that can go on Twitter. Number two, I want you to see in here, in Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 2. I want us to read verse 2. So the first point that we make is the Holy Spirit flows from the temple. We, we don't just settle for what God used to be. We have to be hungry for who God is today. And thus we will not move the move, of, we will not miss the move of God. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 47. He brought me out by the way of north gate and led me around the outside, the outer gate and the, fa the faces the east. And there was water running excuse me running out on the right side if you believe underlining bible is not sin you can underline running i want you to see in the first verse we saw that uh, it was about the temple i want you to see the water was running the second thing i want us to point out about the holy spirit is the holy spirit is the running river he's not a reservoir holy spirit is not a pond he's not a lake holy spirit ponds they squash life out of the river rivers they promote life they flow they don't get stuck they're boisterous they're constantly moving holy spirit is moving he's not a staying spirit now he stays in us don't get me wrong we're not talking about that we're talking about the activity of the holy spirit in the life of church in the life of the world and in the life of a believer holy spirit is not a well he's a river you are the well but he is a river that keeps flowing out of you. Holy Spirit is not someone that gets settled too quickly. He is a running river. He is a running water. That means that you know sometimes we see uh, waves of the move of God in our life or the waves of the move of God in our church where people are getting saved every service for a few months and then things kind of die out and we think the Holy Spirit took a break. He's like this was so tiring let me just catch a break. But the Holy Spirit doesn't take the break. We get tired we can ride the wave and then we get just kind of complacent and comfortable Holy Spirit is like a sun he is self-existent he doesn't need an outlet to be plugged into and be charged by Holy Spirit keeps flowing burning 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 and he never burns out that's why Moses was amazed when he saw a bush that doesn't burn out you and I burn out but Holy Spirit never burns out he constantly is running the lesson I get from this is the kingdom of God that you and I are a part of is constantly advancing. Now I understand the statistic a lot of churches in our country today close down. That's not the problem with Holy Spirit. That's the problem with us. Holy Spirit is advancing. He doesn't stop. He doesn't decrease. He's moving forward. Whether it was uh, communism, fascism, Nazism, 
atheism, agnosticism, or every other ism. He is a river. If you put a tree, he'll go right behind you, but he'll keep going. You can stop and say, no, no. He'll go right in between you and he'll keep going. You can build a banner against him. You can rise a flood, something against him, and he'll put a banner and climb over you and keep going. Why? Because he is advancing. Jesus says since the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's not just, mm, I'll see, oh, this president doesn't like me. Okay, I guess I'm going to hiding. Forcefully, keeps going, keeps going. And Nero rose up and says, we'll kill all the Christians. And the river keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Stalin and Hitler and all of those people tried to do all of these things. But the river kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, and kept going. Jesus said, my father has been working and I am working too. But Pharisees experienced 400 years of dead silence. They experienced silence. God wasn't silent. God was working. God was touching people. God was moving. And therefore when I don't see the working of God, my first question is, am I in a river? Or have I taken a little bit of the river and made a pond out of it and the pond dried up? Because Holy Spirit, who is my source, never dries up. My experience with the Holy Spirit dries up because the experience I had 10 years ago is no good for me today. The miracle God did for me a month ago is good but it's no good for me right now. And so when I have a pond which is a result of the river coming into my life, that pond with time will dry up, dry up, dry up. But you see if I am constantly seeking the river, it's constantly running constantly running. It constantly gives me passion. It constantly gives me fire. It constantly gives me life. And I am and not because my personality is like that. It's because the Holy Ghost is a sun that never burns out. He is the fiery bush that never burns out. Can somebody say amen? Jesus says, the church I am building, gates of hell will not prevail. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. If I am dry, if I am dead, God isn't the fault. I'm not saying we are the fault. Could it be? The river has been reduced to a pond and you can ask Elijah, brooks dry up. The river never dries up. And when the brook dried up, God told to Elijah, God didn't say, oops, I guess we're done here. God says, Elijah, rise up and go to another city and the widow is going to feed you. That means I am never out of moves. I never cease. I don't stop. You may be tired and you can settle. I'm not. If we're willing to go, I'll take you to the moon because I am constantly running. Amen. You know, I, one time I, when I went to Ukraine a few years ago, we were coming from the Church of Prophet T.B. Joshua and we visited um, a conference in Ukraine. There's a very good move of God and one uh, man that God is using powerfully and gratefully in uh, healing, casting out of demons and just starting, I think they have about 800 something churches, um, many, many hundreds of home groups on Skype and just move of the Holy Spirit, just very incredible. Thousands of people coming to the Lord and every Sunday about 500 to 600 people get saved. And so just, just a powerful move of God. And we came there to see that. And at, at the same time, we decided to stop by at our good relatives. 
I have uh, wonderful cousins who live in Ukraine, so we decided to visit our family at the same time. And I asked them around, kind of like, uh, you know, if they want to join us for the crusade that we came to see in Ukraine, in the Ukraine. And they're like, crusade, where? I said, in Kyiv. Uh, this capital city they're like no we go to Kyiv but not for those reasons and I was like okay well since they're not very interested in the move of God you know I suspected maybe they have this great move of God in their own church why do they need to go to Kyiv if they have it in their own Sunday service so I asked them I said you know a uh, few of those cousins they were involved in ministry and I said you know how is the church going how are things happening right now in in the Ukraine in the church and the brother said oh brother God isn't moving no more and I said, why? He said, 90s. In the 90s, he said, when we were persecuted, that was revival. He says, God was healing people. He said, demons, devils were coming out. He said, people were on fire for God. He said, now you don't want to pray. Now nobody wants to do anything. He says, it's so hard to get people on the worship team. And he literally described me like a great Armageddon or something. Just, just completely deadness. And I was like, isn't that interesting that God is moving now in your country but you're not even aware of it and you don't even care about it the thing that you experienced in the 90s is happening in 2010 not too far from you see just because my pond dried up it does not reflect God's kingdom God did not go broke. God did not go dry just because I am dry. God is still a flowing, running river. Man, this is an encouragement to me because anytime I feel dry, I'm just reminding myself, I'm probably in the pond. I was like, I quickly got to get my directions to the river. I gotta quickly take some time to stay longer in the presence of God. I quickly gotta find where God is moving today. I know that problem isn't with God. 21st century invention of iPhone, Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter didn't corner God in a corner and God says, OMG, what am I going to do with the millennials? God is still a river. If He endured emperors, listen, that river will endure every single thing in our generation and it will overcome and bring healing and life. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on church, put your hands together for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And in chapter 47, I want us to read verse 3, our third point. And when men went to the east with the line of his hand, in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, which is about 1,700 feet. So from the temple, he measured 1,700 feet. And he brought me, uh, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my ankles. So I want you to see that from the temple he measured 1,700 feet and he, he noticed that the water only came to, to his ankle. So it barely covered the soles of his feet. That's a long distance and very shallow. Then he took another 1,700 feet and it went up to his knees. Another 1,700 feet and went up to his waist. And you know when you're waist deep it's kind of gets wobbly a little bit and then you go another 1700 feet and then you can't walk no more you gotta swim so i want you to remember this point number three the river grows fuller as you go further the river grows fuller as you go further the test is this is to endure the first 1,700 feet. 
because it's so shallow and you're looking at your neighbor they are waist deep they get wobbly you know like holy spirit is moving and these things are happening maybe you're, you're listening to uh, to our friend glenn and you're like man you're, you're measuring your water you're like i'm just trying to not smoke i'm just trying not to cuss I'm like feeling the Holy Spirit's conviction to like wake up, you know, like before eight o'clock and you're looking and, you're, and you feel so discouraged. You're looking at somebody's Instagram post and what God is doing through them and you look at your little small little thing and you're like, God, why? So little and it's been so long, a thousand seven hundred feet. For some of you it's been a thousand seven hundred days and it's the same measure and you think something is wrong with you there was nothing wrong with the water nothing wrong with the feet and nothing wrong with anything except God was positioning and preparing by letting you you have to go through the shallow phase you can't skip it you can't have somebody kidnap you from it you can't have somebody carry you out of it you can't pray it deeper you can walk it deeper that means as you keep walking, sometimes it's the same level, the same healing that maybe God only heals through you in a particular sickness or a particular conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's like, God, I want to heal you about like some awesome things that I can share and people can say, Amen. Because the things you tell me, things you convict me, they're shallow. Enjoy and keep walking in the measure of grace God has given you right now. Because this measure is not going to stay the same. In the beginning of last month when I when I went for prayer for a few days this was the verse that really helped me because I reflected on the salvations that are happening in our church and the healings that are happening in our church and the move of the Holy Spirit that is happening in the church the good thing is that we are not in a dry pond but I am not oblivious and I know how God is moving in other places. I've been to some places and I've been even to some meetings myself where I've seen just a mighty and just a greater grace even at John Chi's conference and seeing what God is doing now I became kind of discouraged and I said Lord I'm sick of this. God I just want to see like serious stuff. I wanted to like take over. I wanted to like be so deep and so powerful and this verse brought conviction and comfort to me at the same time where God said to me and I know this is to you keep walking forward in the grace God has given right now you like it or not you can have every anointed man of God pray for us but it is God who releases the grace man cannot release the grace man is the channel God will use to release the grace but you have to get your 1700 feet you gotta have your 1700 hours or 1700 days you gotta have that season where God looks at you and says you know what son you passed your 1700 feet and you think after that you'll swim no God will increase it to your knees sometimes he'll increase your prayer life then he will increase it to your waist it speaks of your strength and then comes the point where you can no longer control it it controls you you can go up and fast for 40 days straight but you can't skip the process you need the process so that you get comfortable and that you grow with it so that when the grace increases more you don't die in it but you swim in it you flow in it and it doesn't kill your family kill your health and kill everything else but it brings life to other people because of you can somebody say man you know the healing that happened to the lake to the river and the healing that happened and the trees and all of this stuff happened after 
the river increased beyond the point of walking. After that, the river increased beyond the point of walking. The river was headed into the Dead Sea. Somebody calculated this about, I think, a few miles from the temple. Once the river got to the Dead Sea, so it's the lowest place on the earth, the river touched the Dead Sea. And it's interesting, the river didn't become dead, the sea became alive. And the fish in that lake, the fish in that sea become alive. And not only that, the Bible says a very great, a very great multitude of fish was there. Multitudes. Thousands locally and millions globally. It's beyond the measure. As we keep walking in the grace of the Holy Spirit, in the knowledge, in the pursuing of the Holy Spirit, we're going to a place, if we don't stop, if we don't get discouraged with the shallowness that we have right now comparing that to someone else but if we keep walking this is the future when it reaches the sea the waters are healed many trees are on one side and the other it says that and it shall be every living thing that moves wherever the river go will live there will be a great number of multitude of fish because these waters go there they will be healed and everything will live where the river goes and then it starts talking about the fishermen and different things it's talking about that the river is getting wider and is getting deeper as I go further where do I go not back to the temple to the Dead Sea where does church have to keep walking to our mission and our assignment which is the lowest parts of this earth places nobody wants to go places everyone wants to be promoted out of these are the places the river is going and if I stay number one in the river number two where the river is moving God promises he'll increase his grace with time if I get stuck and I say you know what this is great this is awesome God has done this and God has done that I'm not what I used to be but I'm not what I should be and I'm gonna camp here the river will remain the same if I choose to go backwards in my sinful life the river will slowly decrease and decrease but if I choose to walk forward seeing people saved seeing people healed dreaming and imagining and just really believing my life with an intention to see the world impacted God promises to increase the grace amen. amen now as we're coming toward time of prayer right now three-thirds of people in America attend church four out of those seven that do not attend church used to attend church we have a great sea that the river wants to touch young generation composes about 22% of America's population but the young generation is less than 10% of church's attendance a great sea the river wants to impact by 2050 Europe is going to have the largest religion that will represent Europe which will be more than 10% will be a Muslim faith today in our country by 2050 Muslim faith will be the second largest thriving faith that will be filling United States today it's Jewish faith we have refugees immigrants coming into our country it's so easy to get distracted with our mandate which is to bring the river to the sea and get political 
when Jesus rose from the dead disciples wanted to get political and they said is this the time that you're gonna go and dethrone the emperor and Jesus says leave the politics aside your job is to bring the river to the sea because the emperor and the president as great or not so great they are they cannot change and bring healing to the sea they can remove the weeds but life comes from the spirit and Jesus said to the disciples he says some people will be called to go into government but we as church are called to minister to people and now we have people coming to our country whatever your idea and whatever your policy whether you agree with the president or not or disagree I want us to put that aside for a second I want us to realize we first of all we are Christians not Americans your first believer not Democrat your first believer not a Republican you first a believer in Jesus Christ and your mandate is this world this world is not your home but this world is your assignment this world is your mission and you cannot allow tradition or politics or prejudice or whatever it is to get in between because God wants to save people from Muslim faith God wants to save people, people who do not believe in Jesus as Messiah who are Jewish. God wants to save people who are intellectual and say I do not want to believe in God because I believe in science. God wants to impact every factor of the society and He wants you to be a part of it. Can somebody say Amen? I've read a statistic right now where an Anglican priest in Europe has gotten a request for 300 baptisms this year. 70% of those baptisms are from people who are Muslims. A lot of people I know, people will say, well, a lot of them are coming to Christ because they can get a better status. You know, if you're a Christian, it's, you, you get less, you know, I guess, uh, ridicule or something. And it's true, some people might use that. But there is a great move of God, even among people who, whose faith distanced themselves from, from Christianity. Muslims or many others. And there are many even coming to our city. And I want us to put our differences or other things aside, hate aside and to understand they are our mission. And not to get in political about it. Amen. You know, I realized I even made a decision for myself. I'd rather be uninformed about politics than misinformed. Because if you watch the news, you will become misinformed. If you don't watch it, you become uninformed because everyone takes their size and everyone has opinions. I posted today, opinions are like feet. Everyone has them and sometimes they stink. <laughs> to bring this message to conclusion, I want you to understand that the world is our mission, but supernatural is our method. I follow a lot of awesome pastors on Instagram, Facebook, especially young pastors. And I see the creativity in churches today, it boggles my mind. I follow a lot of podcasts about leadership in churches. It, it fascinates me how smart has church become. How creative. And I mean, I know this is because of the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. But I read New Testament and I see multitudes were drawn to Jesus because He healed people. Multitudes were drawn to Jesus is because demon-possessed people were free. People were drawn to Jesus and you never see because of the eloquence of his speech or the organizational skills that he had, though he had these. The core of Jesus's ministry was supernatural. And we're not just talking about rolling on the floor and speaking in tongues. There was evidence of changed life, changed body. The only way what this river does, we're not talking right now being charismatic. We are talking about being Holy Spirit filled where it leads to a change of life.
if you have an encounter with Holy Spirit you will not be perfect but you will be changed if you're not changed you prayed a prayer you came to a church but you didn't have an encounter because people who have an encounter with the Holy Spirit there's something changes they don't become perfect but they become changed and the change is evident and I see today on the scope of the church and as we're trying to get more creative as you come in and you see you know bathrooms smell good finally you have a golf cart and I know some of you are like no thanks if a teenager riding it I'll walk at least I have these two legs because I'm not sure if I'll have them afterwards you know you see the greeters you see the beautiful lights you see the media I think we're like one of the most advanced media ministries in town and this is great and this is awesome but this is not what Jesus meant when he left us with healing the sick casting out the devil making disciples and seeing the manifestation of God on this earth let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven no cancer in heaven you have the right to pray on earth as it is in heaven no fighting between couples in heaven on earth as it is in heaven what do we want what does revival look like on earth as it is in heaven and Jesus says pray like this for my kingdom to invade the natural for impossible situations to bow at the name of Jesus manifest my kingdom let my river flow out so that life will come into every sector of society and every factor of your life and church I want us to pray that prayer today your kingdom come and your will be done whatever thing in your life today you know one would exist in heaven that arthritis wouldn't make it to heaven you have the right to come against it today you have the right to let the kingdom of heaven invade that part of your body which has today residue of this stuff on this earth if it's in your finances heaven has gold at least you can settle for concrete heavens has houses that we didn't build you can settle for the things that heaven has because this is our mandate to manifest the kingdom of heaven on this earth thanks for listening to this week's message from hungry generation Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.